Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, this is Positively Trek with Dan Gunther and Bruce Gibson. Bruce, hey, how are you doing? I am doing quite all right. Thank you very much. Excellent. Well, last episode, we took a deep dive on Star Trek and my life and what it meant to me and how I became a fan. So I think it's only fair that we turn the tables around and shine the spotlight on the one and only Bruce Gibson and find out how he became a Star Trek fan. So, Bruce. Oh, you just assume I'm a fan, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I certainly hope so. If you're not a fan, you've really pulled the longest of cons for reasons which will perplex me till the day I die. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. On the assumption that you are, in fact, a Star Trek fan, let's start there, I guess. So when would you say you first became aware of the thing we call Star Trek. Where, when mm. did that first kind of enter your consciousness? Okay, so I'm just going to let you know, I was born late 1967. So I was born near the beginning of the second season of TOS. So Star Trek is a year older than me. So when I became aware of it, I don't exactly remember my age, maybe about five around that point. I remember walking into our TV room in our house and my dad watching TOS. I don't remember exactly which episode it was. I just remember thinking that looks really weird because the aliens look like Romans or cowboys (laughs) or like that made no sense to me. And they're all just standing around talking because I was into stuff like Super Friends and then I was into Six Million Dollar Man and that kind of stuff. And Star Trek just didn't make much sense to me. And I, but so I remember my dad watching that and also the TV series of Planet of the Apes. And I really wasn't all into that either because what planet is the apes? And I thought it was like another planet, like uh, of like the apes are aliens. What? Like, the, so both series confused me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't into Star Trek at that point. Okay. So this would have been... Probably early 70s we're talking here. Yes. Early to mid 70s. I had friends who liked Star Trek at that time. I mean, not a lot of friends, but I remember going to kids' houses and having like the, the what, the Mego figures or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the playset with the transporter and the bridge. And I mean, so I would play Star Trek with them with that stuff. So I was familiar with Star Trek. I mean, it was in the culture and I knew who Spock was. I knew who Kirk was. I knew what the Enterprise was. I didn't watch the show. I mean, I'd see it on TV as I'm flipping through things. I think I even remember seeing the animated series a couple of times here or there. But I wasn't, again, I wasn't in it at all. Then 1977 hit and Star Wars came out. I was going to ask because I know you are a big Star Wars fan as well. And, you know, you are sometimes on the Star Wars report uh, quite often. And 
so I, I was curious where that kind of intersection came along. And so that was 1977 when it first hit theaters. Yeah, I remember my parents went on a date night to a movie, and the next morning uh, I saw them and in their room, and I was talking to them. I said, what movie did you see? And my dad said, Star Wars. And he's like, I think you're old enough that this might be a movie you might like, and I want to take you to go see it. It's about a, It has a gold robot man in it. So I thought it was a movie about a gold robot man. And, of course, I go to see it, and I was blown away. I mean, just totally blew away. I was nine years old. It was the perfect age to see that kind of movie. When I, that was in the summer when I went back to school. It was now fifth grade, and I was just turning 10. And everybody, I mean, that's everybody was talking about Star Wars. And it was always, you know, how many times have you seen it? Well, how many times have you seen it? And, you know, Halloween, everybody's dressing up in Star Wars stuff. You know, it was just a crazy time. So I got into space movies and TV shows. So I remember watching things like Buck Rogers in the 25th century on TV. I remember when Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out, Superman the movie. I became a huge Superman fan because of that movie. So we're progressing now towards the motion picture. And I remember having a Superman comic book because I was collecting them at that time. And on the back cover of one of them was a full page ad for Star Trek, the motion picture and it had the enterprise kind of swooping in and it had little photos of all the cast members on the bottom. And I got so excited because even though I wasn't into Star Trek, I was into space movies. I mean, the original series to me was just like, Oh, it's this weird sixties cheap thing. And I, whatever, I don't, I don't quite get that. But if it's going to be on the big screen with great special effects, yeah, I'm there. And I was like really pumped for it. It's funny you bring up the the whole, all the enemies and, and aliens on Star Trek where like old Romans and stuff. If you, have you seen the Futurama episode where no fan has gone before? Yes. Uh-huh. I love that where they go to the planet where basically all the like tapes of Star Trek have been dumped and all the things and they, they go down to the planet and... It's just like from an old Western set and an old, you know, all this stuff. It's like, hey, yeah. it's all it's all that old stuff from that old TV show. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't understand why other kids liked it. I was just like, what? I don't I do. I don't get it. I, I was just I didn't get it. You know, just, you know, people talked. It's like, come on, where's like all the space battles and things? You know, <laughs> I was just like, and where are the weird aliens? It's like. I, it made no sense to me, but I also didn't really take the time to really watch it. Mm-hmm. So I just see it here and there. I was just like, I don't know why kids like, even my brother who's not into Star Trek now, but I mean, as a kid, he occasionally got some Star Trek toys and I'd play with them, but I don't even know why he got them. Cause I don't remember him ever watching Star Trek. So it's kind of weird. So 1979 rolls around, you're seeing ads for Star Trek, the motion picture, and you're getting excited. Why don't you walk us through that experience? What was that like to see Star Trek on the big screen specifically in that film? Well, I loved it. I didn't love it as much as Star Wars and Superman at that point. But going into the theater and watching it and seeing a big budget space movie and the special effects, I loved the music. I remember really enjoying it, but at the same time being confused by it. I think I was always confused by Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my dad leaning over and saying, those are Klingons, you know, because he was familiar with the series. And and I remember when we're heading out of the theater, I remember my dad saying, did you like it? And I said, yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool, but I said, 
I'm confused. No, wait, the villain was like a cloud? Like how I don't really understand the cloud thing. Like what was that? <laughs> and my dad's like, Yeah, I'm confused too. I don't get that either. Oh wow. So I was always confused by Star Trek. Why do aliens not look like aliens? Why are they Romans and cowboys and whatever? And then it's like, and now I go see this movie instead of like the Death Starts a Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> But I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. So at this point, I have to say, I'm pretty jealous of you getting to see Star Trek The Motion Picture in theater in 1979, which, you know, for me, that was three years before I was born. So, you know, that's really cool. (laughs) Well, and to help you as you're asking questions, Star Trek The Motion Picture has a big effect on me later. Okay. So even though I didn't get it and it was didn't make me a big Star Trek fan, that changed later. So Ooh. I'll just plug that in there for you. All right. I'm excited <laughs> to find that out. So moving forward through the years, I'm assuming the rest of the Star Trek films you also watched in the theater for the first time. I did. So when The Wrath of Khan came out, I went to go see that and loved it. Absolutely loved The Wrath of Khan. I really did. And that to me made sense. (laughs) It was, you know, I get this bad guy and it's all these ships fighting each other. And yeah, yeah, this makes a lot of sense to me. And of course I'm getting older. So, you know, I'm, I'm reading movies a little differently than I used to. But, uh, so I saw that movie and then I remember like weeks after that, one of the local TV stations was going to show Space Seed in prime time. I remember seeing the ads for it and my brother had a little league game that evening and we were supposed to go. And I remember, and my dad was going to, uh, the, the coach wasn't going to be there. So my dad was going to fill in his coach, but I really wanted to see space seed because I love the wrath of Khan. And I said to my dad, you know, can I feel really bad dad? I mean, I know you're coaching for the first time and all that, but can I just stay home? Because I really want to watch. And this is before VCR, so I couldn't record it. Because this is, yeah, 1983. And he was like, no, that's fine. Yeah, stay home. And I remember watching Space Seed in prime time and going, well, that isn't the Wrath of Khan. <laughs> I'm like, I still don't get this original series. I mean, I thought it was okay, but it wasn't as good as Wrath of Khan to me. So I was into the movies. So by the time the search for Spock came out, I went to, I was now driving. I remember taking my brother with me to go see it and we walked out and he thought it was boring. And I said, well, you're just not mature enough to get it. <laughs> uh, I remember going and seeing the, uh, the voyage home, the whole family went to that one and we had a good time. So at this point I was a casual Star Trek fan where it was like, I like the Star Trek movies. I'm just not into the TV show that much, but I would start to watch it every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know? Just it wasn't something I was really into. That's that's funny. Like I I would have loved to have seen these on the big screen. Like I've still never seen any of the movies before Star Trek Six on a theater screen. So oh, wow, that would yeah. be really cool. And like to this day, Star Trek Three. You know, when I'm backing a car out of the garage, every once in a while, the stealing the Enterprise track plays in my head as <laughs> as I'm backing my car out of a garage. But I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, right. So we're up to Star Trek Four. Great family movie, by the way. So that was a good choice for the whole family to watch together. Um, so Star Trek Five, which I believe was 1988. 
Um, what was your experience with that film? That one, <laughs> that's interesting. I was starting to like Star Trek more, like I said, and well, I remember going to a mo- going to the movies that weekend with this girlfriend of mine. And we didn't go to see that one, but she liked Star Trek. And by the way, that time I was actually, I watched, I would watch Star Trek with her occasionally, the, the original series. So I started getting into it a little more. She didn't want to go see Star Trek five. And I don't remember which movie we went to see, but whatever movie we went to see when there were quiet moments, I could hear in the next theater, boom, <laughs> boom, you know, rumbles and stuff. And I kept thinking, I really want to go see that. I really want to go see Star Trek five. And then I went home that night. I turned on the local news. It was the premiere weekend. And I remember the local newscast was interviewing people coming out of the theater, seeing Star Trek five. And I remember they talked to a guy and he's just like, I'm a big Star Trek fan. And this is the best Star Trek film ever. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have got to go see this. So I went the next day. The theater was pretty empty. I mean, there were people there, but it wasn't packed. And maybe it was the time of day. I can't remember. I know it was in the daytime. But I remember loving... uh, It wasn't my favorite Star Trek movie. But I remember really loving watching this movie. Because Star Trek IV brought humor Mm -hmm. to Star Trek. And it was so popular that I expected this was going to be a humorous movie too. So I went in there expecting to have a fun time. And the whole search for God, Shakari, all that stuff, it was the right time for me because I was in college at this point. And it was the right time for me because I was going through a phase of exploring things and looking at things differently. So I was questioning the way things work in the world. And I was t- looking at different religions and I was thinking about, you know, well, what is God and what does that really mean? And so there was a lot of philosophy that I was studying and looking at. So when I went to see this movie and they're searching for God and, and it's humorous, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. I, I, I really liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. Nice. And I know it's not perfect, but I did enjoy it. No, that's awesome. That's really great. Uh, I'm I'm curious because Star Trek V came out during, I think it was TNG's second season. So was Star Trek The Next Generation something you were watching at this time or was not, not really? Yeah, I was, uh, but not on a regular basis. So I remember when Encounter at Farpoint premiered, I was in college, I was at Penn State, and I drove home that weekend and I was visiting with my parents, but before I would leave, and I'm pretty sure it was on a Sunday when they premiered it in our market, it was, I, I was said, well, I want to stay and watch this two-hour premiere of a counter at Farpoint, and then I'm going to drive back to school. And I watched it, and when it was over, I thought, yeah, this is just as weird as the TOS. I like the movies better, <laughs> but it was okay. I was like, it's okay. But I would find myself on Saturdays, you know, when I was in at school in my apartment if t if tng was on i'd watch it Mm -hmm. so but it wasn't like oh i got to be there every week to watch it it was just a lot of times when it was on a saturday i just i think it was like four o'clock or five o'clock on a saturday afternoon at that point i tended to be at home like studying in my apartment and it would be on and i would watch it but Mm -hmm. again not on a regular week-to-week basis the big thing though that started to change stuff this is going back to the motion picture okay i was taking a philosophy class oh and by the way my original major was aerospace engineering because i wanted to work at nasa i wanted to be in the space program 
<laughs> Very cool. So, so I was all into space stuff, you know, but I took this philosophy class and the professor was talking about creating God in our own image. And he was bringing up all these, you know, ancient myths and philosophies and all these things. And then the last half of the course, uh, the last half of that class on that day, he starts talking about Star Trek, the motion picture. And he did a deep dive into that movie and the philosophy behind it and all this. Stuff. And I was like, holy crap, because I love this philosophy class. And I was mm-hmm. like, gosh. Oh, and I had the four first four movies on VHS. I got them for Christmas one year when my parents bought me a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> so I had those four movies and a few other movies they bought me. But I hardly ever watched the motion picture. So I remember going back to my apartment in college. And this is my last year of college. I didn't have any roommates. I had my own apartment at this point because I was sick of having roommates for other reasons. Like, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and I remember popping in the motion picture and watching it and being totally blown away. So what I'm getting at is it's almost a decade later where I get so much out of the messaging and the meaning behind everything. And I totally get what the cloud is <laughs> and, and V'ger and all these things. And it's like here as a kid, I was just like, I don't really get it, but it was fun. And now I'm watching. I'm like, there's, there's stuff in here. There's, there's philosophy. There's the human condition. There's messaging. It's like, this is all making sense to me now. And all of a sudden I find myself watching TOS and then I had a friend, she would call me, you know, every once in a while and say, hey, she didn't have a TV. She's like, hey, can I come over tonight? I, I want to watch Star Trek. It was on at midnight. She, oh, wow. They would show Star Trek at midnight. She wanted to come over because she wanted to make fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> because she liked, you know, making fun of William Shatner and the, and the makeup and the costumes of something. Like, but we'd also get into it. And I found mm. myself like, yeah, let's watch Star Trek because I'm liking Star Trek. Like, so as my life went on, it just kept building and building. It's just a slow burn building up to me really liking Star Trek. Oh, that's very cool. So what year approximately would this be then, just out of curiosity? This would have been uh, probably 88, 89-ish, around the same time that Star Trek V came out. So That's, that's interesting because... Like I was saying in the last episode, that's about when my mom would have brought home Star Trek, the motion picture, and I fell in love with it. So it's kind of cool that we're having these parallel experiences. You're like diving deep into the philosophy of this and, you know, what is it like to create God in your own image? And I'm going, ooh, cool, Klingon chips. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's that too, you know, it's it's that liking the special effects and the ships and the aliens and all these things. But then I'm, you know, as a star Wars fan, star Wars is more fantasy and star Trek's more science fiction, which I even talked about in the first episode of this, but you know, it was just like, I wanted more, like this was now tapping into something in me where I'm discovering myself and I'm discovering, trying to figure out where I am in this universe and what I believe and, and the things mm. I'm discovering. And so in a lot of ways, like Star Trek, now that I'm on my own and my parents, you know, I was living in Pennsylvania at Penn State and my parents were in that state at that time, but they had moved to Georgia and they moved, you know, far away. I was really on my own. So I was discovering new life and new civilizations myself. So it was like this parallel journey watching Star Trek in a more fun way. 
and expanding those thoughts even more. So that's how I really started to get into it. And it taps into that whole thing of me liking space and, and science. And, and by the way, I switched my major to broadcasting. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, the, the, yeah, the whole engineering thing didn't work. But yeah, so that's where we are. And then I graduated. And my parents ended up moving back to Pennsylvania. My dad's job transferred. And I had nothing to do. Hmm. This is where this is where the things start to really change. <laughs> yeah, it feels like this is a turning point here. Like you're going back and re-examining the motion picture and that sort of thing. Would you say this is kind of where your fandom started to shift into where you would call yourself a Star Trek fan? Or are we not quite there yet? I think in the early 80s, I would have said I was a Star Trek movie fan. By the late 80s, I would say, yes, I'm a Star Trek fan. By 1990, I would say I'm an obsessed Trekkie Star Trek fanatic. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're digging into this here then. That's cool. So how did, besides watching the films and the TV shows and that sort of thing, obsessed fanatic Trekkie, how did that manifest itself? What kind of fan were you at this time? Or were you becoming at this time, I guess? Well, just... You know, I was now starting to watch TNG on a more regular basis, and this was now in the third season. Mm, okay. So now we're getting into like 1990 territory. Yeah, they're in the good uniforms now. Yes. And Pulaski's not on there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I'm watching that on a, I, yeah, on a regular basis. I also remember at Penn State that they would show uh, TOS at in a classroom on Friday nights. And I think I went to that a couple of times. So I started unlike you, like where you were like, Oh, I didn't have as many Star Trek friends in university where I was meeting some, you know, but it wasn't something like we were talked about on a regular basis. I wasn't part of a club. It wasn't like we all get together and watch. It's just, I had one friend who liked to come over and watch it with me and stuff. But when I graduated and I moved back in with my parents, I didn't get a job right away. I was looking for to start my career. So I had a lot of free time on my hands. And this is, here's the big turning point, Dan. Here's where it really happens. <laughs> All right. So I'm ready. <laughs> I went to the mall and there was Walden Books. Uh, they were selling Star Trek The Lost Years, which takes place after the Ooh. five-year mission. And I was like, oh, I got to get this book. I want to see what happens after the five-year mission. And then I realized, well, you know what? Years ago, I picked up Enterprise, the first adventure, which takes place at the beginning of the five-year mission, but I never read it. I had a habit of picking up novels, but never reading them. Or I'd read the first couple chapters and never finish it. I never finished. The only novels I ever finished were required for school. I never finished a novel. But I used to like to read as a kid all the time. I read comic books and other things, whatever, but novels I could never get through a whole novel. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this lost years, but I'm never going to read it. Oh, I'll read the first. And I, I'm like, but you know, I got a lot of time. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to read Enterprise, the first adventure. And if I read that whole freaking novel, then I'm going to come back. That's my incentive to buy the lost years. And I'm, I'm dedicated to read the lost years. That's funny because I'm looking over at my bookshelf right now. And I have Enterprise, the first adventure, and I've never read it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was the first Star Trek novel I ever read. Oh, very cool. And I read it, and I remember at the time, like, directing a movie in my head. 
And I pictured the uniforms just a little differently. I made them look a little more futuristic to me or Mm. something that would fit more in a movie. Like I gave everything a bigger budget. The Enterprise Bridge looked like the Enterprise Bridge, but upgraded, which is funny because when I watch something like Discovery, I think that's kind of what I was doing. So that's why it doesn't bother me to see, you know, the Kelvin timeline movies and Discovery and things because that's what I was doing in my head. Mm-hmm. You were J.J. Abrams before J.J. Abrams was. <laughs> when Star Trek 09 came out and I remember watching the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is what I was seeing in my head back then. That's funny. <laughs> That's great. I love that. And so I finished that book. I went, bought The Lost Years, finished that. But what I really remember is the bookshelf, the section there had all these Star Trek novels. It's like, holy crap, there's like tons of Star Trek novels. And I knew novels existed because I remember in high school, we had to pick, and there was a list that our teacher gave us in one of our English classes that we could pick a novel to read and write a book report on. And I remember seeing some Star Trek novels on it. And at the time, I thought maybe I would do it. And I was like, well, maybe I should do a classic thing, you know, something more serious. I mean, I don't know if I'll get a good grade by doing a Star Trek novel. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what novels were on there, but anyway... So yeah, I read The Lost Years, and then I started going back to the store and buying novel after novel after novel. Now my obsession is going in because, you now remember, this is in the summer of 90, so season three just ended with the cliffhanger of the best Ooh. of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm reading two to three Star Trek novels a week. Wow. And <laughs> going into season four with the best of both worlds watching TOS now on a regular basis in its reruns. And as I'm watching things, I'm picking up things that, oh my gosh, that character was in this novel I read. Oh my gosh, those aliens were in that novel I read a few weeks ago. Like all of a sudden things are like connecting and I'm like getting obsessed because I had so much free time to do this. And even when I started, when I got a job and I moved out of the house and I was living near Philadelphia. I was attending conventions in Philadelphia and other conventions around. But I, I didn't meet people. I didn't go with friends. I would go around and just, you know, absorb and learn all this Star Trek stuff. And at the panels and the guests talking and, and the actors being there. And not only that, but I would buy the fanzines. And I would start to read fan stories because this is before the internet i would just read like because i i just was getting so much star trek literature it was crazy i was buying comics i had a subscription to the dc comic line at the time because it was going on and i became a member of i think it was the uss saratoga fanzine like i'd get their monthly thing i never wrote my my own stories but i was reading others and a lot of these were really bad (laughs) (laughs) and i stopped doing the fanzine stuff for a while but i mean it was just like i couldn't get enough and Mm -hmm. i mean it it was just yeah early 90s was a crazy freaking time for me oh that's really cool that's kind of one aspect of the fandom that i never really uh saw a lot of at the time was like the kind of more fan aspect of it i think like i said in the last episode i was kind of more the one who didn't realize that there was this wider world that, you know, maybe I was one of the few that was really enjoying Star Trek. But it sounds like you kind of had your finger on the pulse of the wider Star Trek community, even before the Internet, even before there was this kind of connectedness. That's that's really cool. But I never really interacted 
with people like i you know i mean sure if i went to a convention i might talk to somebody who's you know got a vendor table or something like that or maybe in standing in line i'm talking to somebody but i didn't have any friends who were in star trek into mm-hmm. star trek at all i mean most of my friends at this time were like not even close to being into star trek you know and it was it was a personal thing it was something i did on my own time in my private time it was my escapism it was my chance to reflect on myself and the world and it wasn't something i shared with other people so we touched on this a little bit when you were talking about the motion picture and philosophy and also uh star trek 5 a little bit and kind of that personal exploration of, you know, what is God and and searching for meaning and that sort of thing. But I wonder if we might dig into that a little bit more. So at this time, you know, Star Trek is a lot of things to a lot of people. Did you find it really kind of informing the kind of person you were becoming? Uh, Or was it kind of more just an escape? I mean, I think it was both. Uh, It didn't inform on who I am and what I was becoming because I always felt that when I was younger, you know, I was one of the youngest kids in my class. So, you know, I always felt a little out of place because I was the shortest. I was the youngest and you know, I'd get picked on occasionally. And I think that's what attracted me to even Superman because, you know, here's a guy that's mild mannered, you know, kind of geeky guy or whatever, but Deep down inside, if you reveal who he really is, he's strong and powerful. You know, I just felt that start, and because of that, I was very sensitive to people being treated fairly Mm -hmm. and not being judged by size, shape, color, whatever, you know? And so I think Star Trek really hit me on that because it was about learning about a person before making that judgment. And I always felt like I wish people would take time to get to know who I was and not judge me for my size or my age or whatever it was. And I think that was one thing I connected with. And I had a lot of friends that had that came from different religions. I really respected that. And I went to the different churches or organizations, you know, fellowships and things. And so I was discovering, you know, different religions at the time. So there was just a lot of that going on. And I think if anything, it just made me more open to understanding and respecting people who are different from me. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I mean, to me, Star Trek has been a lot about that. Like I think when you were speaking there, I was immediately flashing back to maybe not the best episode of Star Trek ever, but uh, the episode Plato's stepchildren where Alexander, who's, you know, a, a small person is talking to Kirk and says, Oh, I thought you, you meant I was different because of my size. And he says, you know, are there people my size where you come from? And Kirk says something like where I come from size, shape, color doesn't matter. And it's it's such an important message and such a beautiful message. And, ah, I just, yeah, that's the kind of thing that gives me goosebumps about Star Trek. So I, I love to hear that. <laughs> Sometimes it bothers me when people say they like Star Trek because, you know, of the messaging. You know, the message, Gene Roddenberry's message. It's like, yeah, I get that and I agree with that. But to me, Star Trek's more than just a message. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's here I go with food analogies. It's like, you know... 
it's there's different ingredients you know it you're not going to make a cake with just icing Mm -hmm, there's different ingredients that go into it and to me star trek is yeah it's the message but it's also you know technology you know it's like i was always fascinated like you know i always wanted to get to the future i remember even you know before seeing the motion picture when i was into star wars to me star wars even though it's a long time ago I also thought it's futuristic because they're flying in space. We They have technology we don't have. So I was always wanting to get to the future where we had all this new technology. So seeing that in Star Trek means a lot. And there's just so many aspects of Star Trek that if you add it all up, that's what makes Star Trek. It's not just one thing. Star Trek wouldn't work for me as well if it took place 100 years ago. It only makes it works for me because it is in the future. That's one of the things that attracts me to it. So going through your fandom here, so you know, at this we're getting new series coming out, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Was there ever any point where your fandom kind of, you know, was it a waxing and waning kind of thing, or was it pretty strong from here on out? It was pretty strong from here on out. I watched every episode of you know, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, as they came out each week. I never missed a week that an episode came out. I was going through all the novels. I couldn't keep up with the novels. Now, we're, you know, when we got to the late 90s, mid 90s to late 90s, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I still live in Atlanta. My social life really started to pick up. So I was out a lot. I was dating a lot. My reading wasn't keeping up. I mean, I was reading occasionally, but instead of the two to three novels a week, it was maybe one novel a month. Maybe even if I was lucky, Mm. (laughs) you know, it just (laughs) depends. I was just very busy. So I didn't get to read as much, but I was keeping up with the episodes. So I guess from here, I'm I'm curious how you got into Star Trek podcasting and uh, specifically, I guess, literary treks and your journey to becoming my co-host on that show. So uh, funny enough, it's because of Star Wars. Huh. I went to Star Wars Celebration, first time I ever went to a convention. By the way, I was listening to The Ready Room on Trek FM starting about the second or third month after it premiered. So I was very early into listening to Trek FM. And so I saw it as it grew and shows were being added and other hosts were joining and such. And I wrote my review on iTunes for the ready room and said, I wish they would cover the novels on the show. And Chris Jones read my review on the ready room about me requesting novels. And he says, well, we have something in the works. Uh, Something's coming soon. And I thought he just meant, oh, they're going to start working the novels into the show soon. Little did I know that they were launching a new podcast about the novels and I thought, oh, that's cool. We get a monthly podcast about uh, the Star Trek novels. I'm so excited. This is what I really want. Because the novels mean as much to me as the TV series and the movies. And, and the comics the same way. Like mm-hmm. it, It's not like there's one that outweighs the other. They're just as important. But then I realized Literary Treks was weekly. I'm like, are these guys insane? There's no way. I mean, it's like, I can't, I mean, I'm too busy to read a novel every week. Like I can't keep up with them, but I would listen to the shows. So anyway, then, um, Matt rushing was part of that show. And then he started doing the 602 club. Well, at that time, then I went to star Wars celebration and I tweeted about it. And this guy that I listened to on literary treks 
reaches out to me on Twitter and says, hey, I see you're going to Star Wars Celebration. Would you do me a favor? And I'm like, heck yeah, this guy from Literary Treks, you know, never really talked to him before. This is so cool. He wants me to, yeah, what's the favor? He's like, can you pick up an ornament, a Hallmark Star Wars ornament for me? I said, sure. So the whole time I was at Celebration, we're messaging each other. What are you doing? Like, I had no idea he was a Star Wars fan. He was the Star Trek guy to me, right? So we're messaging each other and stuff. And then... I got him the ornament sent to him, and then he offered to have me on as a guest on the 602 Club to do the movie Tomorrowland. And I said, well, sure, but I don't have a microphone or whatever. And he told me what, you know, go ahead and download Audacity. He told me what microphone to buy. I bought a microphone. And I was a guest on the 602 Club. Star Wars Report, I got to know those guys because they live, well, Riley Blanton lives nearby. And we've seen each other at certain Star Wars events and stuff. And then he offered me to guest on Star Wars Report. And within probably two months of me guesting on Star Wars Report and being on the 602 Club and once again being on 602 Club again for a Mission Impossible movie, uh, I was asked to be a guest on Cloud Sea Casino, which is a Star Wars podcast about gaming and collecting, which I did not do as gaming and collecting. But... The guy liked me so much on the show, he made me an offer to be a permanent co-host. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, but I don't do gaming and and uh, collecting. But I did that for a while. So anyway, long story short, I still made guest appearances on 602 Club, doing like Star Wars novels and movies and things like that. And Matt knew that I was a big listener to uh, Literary Treks. And he came to my house. He lives in Seattle. He came to Atlanta to go to Dragon Con with me. It dawned on him, like, after he left, that uh, when I was on the show doing a novel for Star Wars, he was ready to step away from Literary Treks. And he thought, this is the guy, you know? He, we got to know each other real well personally. And he made me the offer, and I said no. I said, I can't, I can't keep up. There's no way. I'm too busy. And then that got to be, well, maybe you can come on as a guest or whatever. And then all of a sudden he saw in Goodreads that I was keeping up with you guys because I wanted to see if I could. And yeah, long story short. I mean, I really wanted to because I even thought about creating my own Star Trek books podcast at one point. Oh, wow. I was going to do it as a monthly one, but I thought I can't do as well as those guys on literary tracks you know so little did you know <laughs> yes i was thrilled to be involved and here we are today excellent well i personally think the podcasting world is better for having you in it for sure so uh, you know the more places you can listen to bruce gibson the happier i am <laughs> oh stop it stop it no thank you but the one thing i do want to say real quick and by the way, there was a period of time I didn't go to conventions for the longest time because Atlanta didn't really have anything for a, a long time. But now I've been to STLV and, and some other things. But And now I've been involved in this community, which I hadn't been before. Because remember I said earlier, this was a personal thing for me, Star Trek. I never shared it with anyone. It was something I, I never talked to people about it. You know, I didn't sit there and talk about an episode or a book or whatever. And now I get to talk about the books with you. And not just talk about the books with you, but we get to talk with the authors. I mean, that's huge to me. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, an author of a Star Trek novel, to me, is like talking to William Shatner about what's it like to be on Star Trek or talking to Rick Berman about what's it like to create all those series. It's like, I'm not a person who gets starstruck at all. So, you know, I don't feel that way when I talk to them. They're just people. But I'm like, sometimes I'm pinching myself. It's like, oh my gosh, if you had told me years ago 
that I'd be having one-on-one conversations with these people and, you know, becoming even friends with these people. <laughs> it's like, and I've had so many opportunities. I've been to Paramount to the 50th anniversary and, and yeah, STLV. And, and it was at the uh, red carpet or blue carpet event for the premiere of discovery, which that's a whole nother story. I mean, it's just like, I never would have imagined that. I mean, all this stuff has opened so many doors, podcasting in this community and everything. It's just, it's been a crazy ride. Oh, that's incredible. And yeah, it it just goes to show that, you know, every Star Trek fan out there, no matter where they are on that journey of being a Star Trek fan, has a wonderful story of how they came to Star Trek and how, uh, what Star Trek means to their lives. So I, that was, that was incredible to listen to, I think. You know, and and there's a lot more we could could get into as well, for sure. And I think uh, we certainly will get more into our personal stories and what Star Trek means to us in future episodes as well. So uh, this has been, I think, a lot of fun getting to know your personal fandom and, and exploring both of these together. I have to tell you, I'm kind of shaking. A little. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I honestly want to say after we finished recording the last episode, I felt the same way. Like some of these memories that, that you brought up, they really were affecting me. Like remembering what it was like watching Star Trek for the first time. I, I was thinking I'll never have that same feeling again of watching an original series episode that I've never seen before. And what was that like? Like, I don't remember what that was like, but I can kind of remember that a little bit. And it's just, wow, what a what a history that we both have with Star Trek. I think that's really cool. The one thing I never understood about Star Trek fandom, and it's always different for everybody. I get it, you know? And, and, and if some people don't like something that's new that comes out, that's fine. To me, it, I, I can't understand that. I mean, I don't just accept Star Trek because it's Star Trek, but then in a sense, I guess I kind of do. But it's like I said, there's all these different ingredients to Star Trek. So some ingredients might be missing or maybe it's a cake and it doesn't have quite the right icing that you like, but it's still cake and you love cake, you know, mm-hmm. you still want to eat that cake, you know, and I guess that's how it is for me. And so I remember, especially with uh, Star Trek Enterprise, when that series was premiering, I was I was excited because it's like, okay, yeah, let's rewind the clock. Let's go back to another time. Let's see how the Federation started, how Starfleet came about. This this might be interesting. And they're they're gonna make it a little more hip, a little more modern. Okay, let's let's try something a little different. And that's what I like is trying something a little different. And I just remember being online and in seeing in the in the forums at that time the Star Trek forums, people just like, I'm not going to watch it. I refuse to watch it. It's a prequel. We should be going forward, not backwards. And I'm like, okay, even going backwards, it's still the future. It's still the 22nd century. Like I didn't understand. How can you love Star Trek and it not, not at least give it a chance to see if you, and to me again, that's what Star Trek is about, right? It's like I said about getting to know people. It's like, you know, let's get to know this person. Don't make the judgment up front you know try to get to know them try to understand them. and why not do that with a new star trek series if you're a star trek fan and i, I never understood that and i still don't understand that yeah no i couldn't put that any better myself i'll never understand that impulse to you know just dismiss something out of hand because it doesn't fit exactly what you think star trek must fit into as a box you know mm-hmm. 
things won't grow, I don't think, unless you push them in new and interesting directions. And if you don't do that, everything's just going to be a repeat of something that's come before. You know, sometimes it's nice to repeat what came before a little bit, but I think in order to grow, you need to push forward. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, I don't get it. And, you know, I always think sometimes about, I'm not as big of a Superman fan as I was when I was a kid, but I remember when the series Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman came out, I didn't care for it. I didn't hate it. It's just, uh, that's not really what I like. And, and I watch it occasionally, but I wasn't into it. And I remember a friend of mine who did like to watch it asked me, you know, oh, I'm surprised you don't like because I knew you liked Superman. I thought you'd like the series. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. But that's all it was. And I was like, oh, I'm, gr- I'm glad you like it, but eh, I'm not into it. I didn't trash it. I don't hate it or whatever. It was just like... It's just not for you. Yeah. yeah. There's other star, uh, Superman stuff that I like, and there's some that I don't like as much. And that, But I, again, I don't hate it, and I'd still occasionally watch, but like, I don't understand trashing it. <laughs> just yeah. don't. Yeah, I don't get it And either. then Smallville came out, and I loved Smallville. I watched all 10 seasons of that. Well, if people want to follow your opinions about the various Superman projects that are coming and going over the years, where can they do that? <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline, then Rex. And of course, you can find Dan and I on Literary Treks on Trek FM and doing a live show on his channel. I'll let him tell you more about that. And uh, I do a Star Wars report. Yes, I'm still into Star Wars, and I do like the new Star Wars stuff, too. So, you know. Anyway, I guess that's it. That's where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And, yeah, if you want to catch up with me, I'm on Twitter at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. That YouTube channel that Bruce was talking about is Kurtrats Productions. Just search that on YouTube, and you'll find that channel. Like Bruce said, we do a live show Uh, after new episodes of Star Trek Picard, and I also have other videos on there as well. And you can find me on facebook.com slash Productions at treklet.com, talking about Star Trek books. We're everywhere. Definitely, including on this podcast, Positively Trek. So I really hope you've enjoyed this discussion, kind of digging deep these last couple episodes into our fandom. But, you know, we do want to hear from you guys, so tweet to us we're at positively trek let us know your star trek story how did you become a fan we want to hear about that so once again thank you all so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details